Excellent. All right. Yeah. What I did last week was after I got done teaching, I just signed up for the everyday community when I was leaving. Okay. Sounds good. You didn't get to the you wanted to All right. I think we're I think we're, we're live now, live on Facebook, and uh, we've got the podcast recording. And I have my Diet Coke. And since I'm the only one in a room without the mask, I can easily drink my Diet Coke, which is awesome. <clears throat> Morning, folks. Welcome. You came in spot on on time, so we're just now getting started. All right. So. Um, Good morning to everybody. Uh, good morning to Facebook folks. Um, my name's Quinn Abram. I'm one of the, um, not really members, we don't do membership here, but I'm a person that attends here a lot. Um, <laughs> and uh, it is good to be here. I'm sitting inside the building at 1412 Sycamore. This is the first time I've been here for a Sunday morning gathering since maybe Thanksgiving weekend or the weekend after, right? Is that, wasn't that roughly when we shut things down? So um, pretty exciting for me. Um, uh, not speaking for anyone else or even my wife, just speaking for myself. The reason I'm sitting here today is because um, uh, I just couldn't get comfortable with how to proceed um, uh, with the COVID situation until I got vaccinated. So um, I have had my first round of vaccine. I'm two weeks into that and I did a little research and even though that's not what the CDC says, um, it does look like um, my chances of spreading something to someone else is really, really low now. Um, so that made me feel like um, this was a good balance um, uh, between being so separated and not being with people um, and being able to get back together but do it safely. So that's why I'm here today. Uh, that's not to say anyone else needs to follow that advice. I just wanted you to know what's going on with me. Um, do we have anything that we need to... Good morning. How you doing? Um, do we have anything that we need to uh, share? Are there any announcements or anything like that? Great. Well, it is what we traditionally call Palm Sunday. So I'm going to talk about this day, um, but I think I'm going to try my best to take a, put a little bit of a spin on it today um, just to make this fun. Um, I also know we've got uh, three amazing people that are sub 16 years old in the room, and they're going to get bored stiff if we go too long here. So keep... Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. We have four. So, uh, yeah, my goodness. Four amazing sub 16 year old people in the room. So, I'm going to try to buzz through this, um, but I'm not going to say a time because inevitably I'll just miss that time and be frustrated at myself. Um, so, let's get into it. So, we could call this day, sorry, uh, Facebook folks. You're just going to miss the slides, and I don't know what to do for you other than say sorry. So, anyways, it's the way it goes. Um, so, I'll, I'll, I'll read them as much as possible. So, um, Palm Sunday, sometimes it's called like Triumphal Entry Sunday, okay? Um, 
I like the idea of calling it Donkey Sunday. I'll tell you why later. Or Jack Sunday. Um, <laughs> even though those three asterisks are actually in the Bible, I don't like that word, so I don't say it very often. Um, uh, or we could call it Psalms Sunday. <laughs> Isn't that funny? I think that's hysterical. Gosh, I'm not laughing at that. But it actually would be a pretty good name. Psalm Sunday would not be a bad name for it. Um, uh, or this. So here's what I'm really calling this. So uh, when I put the podcast out there, I'm going to name it. It's about time Jesus Sunday. Okay. And I'm going to get into why that is. Okay. But before we get into that, I want to break down what's happening. This is one week before the resurrection. So just in case uh, any of you uh, um, uh, haven't had a chance to think this through in your life or even just recently, um, this is, it is one week from today uh, that we celebrate Jesus's resurrection from death. Um, and so this entire week is, is just the climax of the whole Jesus story. Um, and so this is a big like entry point into this final week um, where Jesus comes into Jerusalem. Um, and there is a commentary on the lectionary um, by Carl Jacobson. Now, I always hear about Rolf Jacobson. You hear his name all the time on there. So I saw the comment, like, Carl Jacobson, did a little looking. Yeah, they are brothers. So these are both um, theologians. Uh, I think they maybe both work for the Lutheran Church. Um, but I was really impressed with Carl uh, and his uh, commentary this week. So I have just... Uh, Carl, if you happen to see this, I know you won't, but if you did, um, uh, my apologies, but also thanks, because I am just lifting your teaching and just uh, carbon copying it into my talk this week. All right, so let's get into Luke chapter 19, verses 29 through 44. I'm going to try to read the whole thing. Also, because of coronavirus, I now wear reading glasses. <laughs> it has nothing to do with coronavirus. It's just, it was time. Okay, Luke 29, 19, not that I said, 29 through 44. Maybe if I change this like that, you can see it a little better. Okay, so as Jesus came near Bethphage, I did look that up to make sure I pronounce it correctly, Bethphage. Um, as Jesus came near Bethphage and Bethany, towns near the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent out two of his followers. He said, go to the town you can see there. When you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here to me. If anyone asks you why you are untying it, say that the master needs it. The two followers went to the town and found the colt, Jesus, just as Jesus had told them. As they were untying it, its owners came out and asked the followers, why are you untying the colt? The followers answered, the master needs it. So they brought it to Jesus, threw their colts, threw their coats on the colt's back, and put Jesus on it. As Jesus rode toward Jerusalem, others spread their coats on the road before him. As he was coming close to Jerusalem on the way down uh, the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of followers began joyfully shouting praise to God for all the miracles they had seen. They said, God bless the king who comes in the name of the Lord. There is peace in heaven and glory to God. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell your followers not to say these things. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if my followers didn't say these things, then the stones would cry out. And I am not going to explain to you today what that means because it's still somewhat confusing to me, so we're just going to march on. 
As Jesus came near Jerusalem, he saw the city and cried for it, saying, I wish you knew today what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. The time is coming when your enemies will build a wall around you and will hold you in on all sides. They will destroy you and all your people, and not one stone will be left on another. All this will happen because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you. So if you're not catching it, the gist of this is there's all this excitement. Jesus is coming in town. He's on this uh, donkey. Um, and then when Jesus starts talking here at the end, it's got a weird vibe. It's like Jesus doesn't seem as pumped about all this as they do because he knows uh, what's coming. Okay. All right, let's get back into it. All right, so Palm Sunday. Um, a little background, a little side note about Palm Sunday that I thought was kind of interesting. Um, what did I just say? Not Rolf. What's his brother's name? Carl. Carl. Thanks, Carl. Um, Carl pointed out that in Matthew, so we've got our four stories of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He says that in Matthew, they talk about putting cloaks on the road or cut branches from trees, not necessarily palms. In Mark, they talk about cloaks on the road, and they talk about leafy branches, and they think those are likely from the fields. Again, probably not palms. In Luke, he said again, cloaks on the road, nothing about palms. But in John, we say branches of palm trees. And the point of this, and this is why you see a lot of people starting to not call this Palm Sunday anymore, is that the gist of this story, the point of this story, what's the big picture, really is not hardly anything to do with a palm. And so it's a little confusing to call it Palm Sunday. Um, and in fact, um, he, he made a joke and said, said, maybe you should call it Cloak Sunday because uh, three of the stories do talk about cloaks. Um, but nonetheless, just a little side note that Palm Sunday is probably not the best name. But what is important in these stories? So what does each story really emphasize? So you've got, the way I like to think about this, I like to step back and instead of thinking about it as the Bible, okay, hopefully I don't get struck. Um, instead of thinking about the Bible, I like to think about it as four nice guys who each either witnessed portions or heard portions or however they got their information. They got their information and they're retelling this story, okay, of Jesus' life. And they're, they're trying to make this clear. And so they're putting in there the important things. And so we're looking to see what did they see as important. And there were two big things that jumped out in all four gospels. And so the first of those is that each gospel makes a really big point that Jesus is riding into town on a young donkey. And this was something I hadn't put a lot of thought into before, the way I did today or the way, uh, what's my buddy's name again? Carl. Carl. Um, uh, Carl just got me thinking about this a little bit differently. So there's something really important about this donkey. And then the other one is the gospel has the crowds welcome Jesus, and they're all using Psalm 118. It's mentioned in every account that Psalm 118, well, there is verbiage used in every account that is a reference to uh, Psalm 118 and the way we praise God in that. 
Um, so let's talk just briefly about that. So in Psalm 118, the little nugget that we're pulling out here is, uh, this is a quote from Psalm 118. Um, God bless the one who comes in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, in the name of the Lord, we bless all of you from the temple of the Lord. So, so that's like this important phrase that's become a big deal to Jewish people, okay? And so if we look into Matthew, there we go. They're saying, Hosanna, this is all happening on Palm Sunday. Um, and Matthew, he records it as them saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Direct connection back to Psalm 118. That's why I said we might call it Psalm Sunday. So I don't know why no one thinks that's really that funny. In Mark um, 11, they say, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. Hosanna in the highest. And Luke, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. In John, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. The king of Israel. I want you guys to just stop though and think about this. Do you guys sense this excitement? These people, I mean, they are Jewish people. They are rooted in this Old Testament. They are, well, they didn't call it the Old Testament. They would have called it the Word. Um, but it, no, actually, they would have called it the Book of Law or something like that. Anyways, but this is big, and you can sense this excitement. In fact, look at the exclamation points through there. So all the people translating this are sensing these people are pumped. Now, let's move forward. Later in this week, some of you might remember that you've got Jesus being uh, put on trial, and you don't sense these same people all pumped and excited and backing him up like this. So it gets the wheels turning. Like, what? 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 We're, we're just talking a few days apart. Why? Why are they so pumped about him? Okay? And um, this is what... Carl helped get me thinking about. It's all about the donkey. It's all about the donkey. There's my favorite <laughs> picture. I think this is actually a photo taken on this day 2,000 years ago. There's something, it's like I just, I don't know, it's just awful that I'm that way, but just seeing Jesus ride a donkey with Eddie Murphy's voice, you know, just, there's something about that, that I just can't get enough of it. Um, so why? Why is this important? So some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell your followers not to say these things. But Jesus answered, I tell you, if my followers didn't say these things, the stones would cry out. Like I told you, I'm not going to get into the stones thing, because that's a little confusing to me anyways. Uh, I, I have studied it before and thought about it, but I don't want to do that today. But grasp this idea that Jesus' people are pumped. They're so excited. And the Pharisees are not. All right? So we got this kind of unbalanced thing going on here. Pharisees, probably other leaders, not too excited about this. Followers, pumped. What happens later in the week? The Pharisees and all the leaders and stuff are like, you know, they're after Jesus and ultimately put him to death, and the followers are quiet. So in just a few days, we're going to see everything flip, and it's all about the donkey. Okay, Carl writes this. Perhaps 
these Pharisees, he's talking about, perhaps they speak because they know exactly what is going on. They understand because, back to our first point, Jesus rides into town on a young donkey. There he is again, in case you forgot the picture. Okay, so what's causing the excitement? All right, so this is from Carl. So I'm just, I just lifted this. This is a quote. I, I didn't, you know, I don't know. How do you quote when someone writes and then it's got bullet points? And I put, a, I put quote marks at the beginning and quote marks at the end. I think they're supposed to go in the middle someplace too. But anyways, sorry if I didn't do that right to whoever. That's important to uh, Here's what Carl said. This is what Israel's kings did. It was how they arrived. This is a political act. This isn't the opposite of human expectations of a king. This is exactly what the people were expecting and waiting for. Pause. This is one of the few times that we see where Jesus does what the people think a king's supposed to do. And I don't know why, it just never clicked before. But all these other times when Jesus is kind of putting himself low and he's going out and hanging out with people he shouldn't normally hang out with, and a lot of the verbiage and things that happen later in this week, uh, whenever he allows himself to be hung on the cross, even though he, he could have prevented that, those are all the kind of the opposite of what you think a king's going to do. But this idea of riding in on this donkey, this was the kind of thing. I used to think that it was donkey, a donkey like a Shrek, Shrek's donkey there, and that it was kind of a, it was not intended to be viewed as a, as an actual proper act. But uh, according to what Carl is saying, no, no, no. He said a, a king might have done this exact same thing on this same kind of animal. Um, it, it is exactly what the people would say. So let's go on with Carl. Second bullet point. In this setting, the two, politics and theology, are inseparable. And so the Pharisees shy away because they know. This is a theological theological act. Jesus is declaring himself the long-expected king pro promised by the prophet is come. Jesus is declaring himself, colon, the long-expected king promised by the prophet is come. And so I started realizing that this is just one of those few times when Jesus did just what the people thought he should do, and they loved it. They couldn't get enough of it, and they are cheering him on, and life is good. It's a party time for the chosen ones. In Zechariah, Jill and I are actually studying Zechariah right now, and it's crazy hard. Huh? Yeah, it's terrible not hearing very well. I think you're hearing noises. I didn't say anything. <laughs> uh, we're not to Zechariah 9 yet, but um, in Zechariah 9, verse 9, it says, Rejoice greatly, people of Jerusalem. Shout for joy, people of Jerusalem. Your king is coming. He does what is right. He saves. He is gentle and riding on a donkey, on the cult of a donkey. Okay, so this is the prophecy that Jesus is fulfilling, all right? And so this is great excitement. This is a party time for the Jews, Jesus is doing exactly what he's supposed to do by prophecy, but it's also what they think he should do, okay? It's a celebration. You throw down your cloaks. You wave your branches. You lift up your voice and, and join in song. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. It is Jewish party time. 
but you gotta keep reading in Zechariah. You gotta read a little bit further. So there's a whole bunch of words here. I'm gonna read them all. Here we go. It goes on in Zechariah. He says, I will take the chariots from Ephraim and the horses from Jerusalem. The bows used in war will be broken. The king will talk to the nations about peace. His kingdom will go from sea to sea and from Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. As you know, because of the blood of the agreement with you, I will set your prisoners free from the waterless pit. Your prisoners who have hope return to the, your place of safety. Today I am telling you that I will give you back twice as much as before. I will use Judah like a bow and Ephraim like, like the arrows. Jerusalem, I will use your men to fight the men of Greece. I will use you like a warrior sword. Then the Lord will appear above them and his arrows will shoot like lightning. The Lord God will blow the trumpet and he will march uh, and he will march in the storms of the south. The Lord all-powerful will protect them. They will destroy the enemy with slingshots. They will drink and shout like drunks. They will be filled like a bowl used for sprinkling blood at the corners of the altar. On that day, the Lord their God will save them as if his people were sheep. They will shine in his land like jewels in a crown. They will be so pretty and beautiful. That's a weird one. Um, the young men will grow strong on the grain and the young women on new wine. Zechariah 9, 10 through 17. You get a flavor again why these people are pumped. Because for the Jews, this is a party. For the current people in charge in Jerusalem, this is crazy scary. Okay. So this is an interesting time again. So back to Luke. This is what's written, written in Luke 19, 44 through, 41 through 44. So this is the end of the reading I just read earlier. As Jesus came near Jerusalem, he saw the city and cried for it, saying, I wish you knew today what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from you. The time is coming when your enemies will build a wall around you and will hold you in on all sides. They will destroy you and all your people. Not one stone will be left on another. All this will happen because you did not recognize the time when God came to save you. All right. So, um, writing in like a king, I don't think is Jesus' style. That, that is not, this is one of those, it's sort of like when he goes into the temple and he's turning over the tables and all that. It's confusing now when we look back because it's not kind of the way we see Jesus. Until today, by the way, I did put this lesson together this morning. Sorry about that. But um, until today, I had never thought about the fact that Jesus riding in on this donkey is one of the most non-Jesus-like things that we see him do. I've always thought of it as making sense. But I'm now realizing that it actually doesn't make sense. It, he's putting himself on a pedestal. He's allowing people to lay their cloaks, and he's riding this donkey across them, very much like a king would do. It is not a normal way of Jesus. But one week from now, or less than a week from now, um, he's hanging on a cross, which is the most Jesus-like thing that we know of. So the way of life, it's a party today. Next Friday, tragedy's going to strike. But next Sunday, God will be there for us. And isn't that life? Isn't that the way it is? Um, Jill and I like life lessons. Jill really likes life lessons, don't you? The kids will tell you about it if you ask her, ask them. We need to be wary 
when Jesus gives us exactly what we want. I think it's one of the hardest things in life, but when Je we need to be wary when Jesus gives us exactly what we want because it may not be from Jesus. These Jews are just pumped because he's riding in on this horse and they're throwing their coats down and all of this. But the reality of it is he's fulfilling a prophecy of what people were expecting him to do and he, and he, he walked through and did that action. But the Jesus that is teaching us how to live is the one that we're going to see later in the week. Jesus doesn't want us riding around on donkeys and having people throw cooks down in front of us. That's not the style he wants. Jesus wants us to be uh, willing to serve others sometimes at all costs. Um, and I just think it's, it's really, it's a way to look at this week that I had never really uh, thought about before. And that's it. That's what I've got. So you guys have any questions or thoughts that stir anything in your mind before I close out here? strategy for uh, uh, you know having this non-Jesus like fanfare uh, to contrast you, are you saying is it a strategy so the question is is this a strategy are you saying is it a strategy like like did Jesus intentionally set this kind of weird upside down thing where he's going to be acting one way one day I mean, I would say yes and no. I, I don't think it's a strategy the way we think of like a football coach making a strategy, like a play put in place. But I do think it's Jesus consistently balancing and recognizing that there are times that you've got to be, um, some, there are times you've got to function within the society you're in. There is a time in this case where he had to act like the king that they were expecting. And in this particular situation, that needed to happen. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I think Jesus was fully aware of kind of the cynicism of almost, you know, how, how you know, he, I think he was completely aware and, and recognized that, you know, this is not the person that he's going to ultimately show us we need to look like. So, but I don't, you know, strategy. I, I mean, it probably is a strategy, but I, I, I don't, I, but not like, not like a football game strategy. <laughs> I think I don't know. It's just my opinion. The one thing I would say is, I, I say you're right about he he came in as a king, and I don't think you remember, but we had the flood all those years ago. We taught upstairs. You taught on this, and you talked about how the donkey was when the king would ride on a donkey. It was peace. He wasn't coming up for war, and most. Kings, whenever they enter into the city back then, they were on a big war horse. You're right. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 so there is that that so kind of. So he's showing what kind yeah. of king he's going to be, but they're acting like he's going to be the king that they want, and that's when the next thing comes up about all the stones being knocked down when the Romans tear up Jerusalem and all that. Yes. So, Herb, you're making a good point. So, so there's actually a little bit of both in here when you take that perspective, because you're right. This is the way a king, I mean, what I was saying earlier, it makes sense. This is the way a king would act, except that they normally came in guns a-blazing. Yes. And, and they were, he, he, we don't get that vibe from him at all. He, the riding on the horse or the donkey, that's Jesus, I mean, that's king-like. Letting them praise him and throw their cloaks down, that's Jesus-like. But the way he's actually acting is not very 
king-like because he's not coming in guns a-blazing and I'm going to take you over and I'm going to tell you just what to do kind of a thing. And that's why he says about, he starts crying in Jerusalem because he knows their attitude toward what they really want is just going to get them right. killed. Right. Yeah, that whole end thing about him being upset. I mean, yeah. he, I mean, he sees what's coming. He recognizes the, the mixed-up nature of where they're at. And, and, and that they're ultimately going to not have a good end in all this. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, at that point, we're going to wrap it up. So Facebook Live people, have a great day. And um, actually, you know what? Let me pray. Uh, I was going to do that after I showed up. But I, I will pray on Facebook Live. And, uh, and then we'll wrap it up. God, we appreciate being here together. We appreciate that we have the freedoms um, to, to meet together, bonded in Christ and uh, to celebrate this amazingly special week and to have uh, holidays even in the country we live in um, that are set aside to help us remember this very special time of Jesus, uh, Jesus' ultimate sacrifice, teaching us that he was willing to lay down his own life uh, for us um, to help, uh, help get us away from the life that we were living, get us away from the sin uh, that we are... Uh, uh, filling our lives with. And we ask that you'll help us um, this week to think of this often. Help us to really um, get our minds focused, refocused for some of us, and help us to be drawn closer to you than ever uh, at this special time. It's through Christ we pray. Amen. Have a great week. All right. And so, Herb, you say we do have communion today? Why is this talking to me? Because once you turn it off, it starts broadcasting. There we go. Okay. Um, all right, so um, we have communion. Herb, I'll let, uh, do we need to do anything? Is it ready? It's ready to be. What? The bread's there. I mean, I can't yeah, see it. It's like, okay. Okay, all right. Very good. All right. Um, I will pray, and then uh, you can come up and take uh, communion uh, as you feel led. Let's pray. God. This is a big week. Later this week, uh, Jesus is going to uh, talk about his death and talk about a way for us to remember it uh, by eating bread when we're together and uh, having that bread represent his broken body as we uh, tear it apart and as we eat it. And then he's going to talk about us drinking wine or drinking uh, juice and he, uh, he tells them that that's like his blood being poured out because he's going to be hung on a cross and die. And God, help us as we take this today and each time that we take it to, uh, to never forget that amazing, amazing example that Christ set out there for us and help us to, uh, to mimic that with our own lives and to be willing to sacrifice for the world around us and to be willing to lose, to help others win, um, and uh, just help us to, uh, to please you with everything we do. Just through Christ we pray. Amen.
ಕೆಲ್ಸ ಎಲ್ಲ ಸೆಕ್ಷಿ ಇದೆ.